Well, welcome to Palm Sunday. Uh, today's the day that we commemorate uh, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, this is where they, raised, they waved palm branches to kind of welcome and usher him and cry out, Hosanna. So this is the day they, they kind of prepare for his final Passion Week. And so even for us, I pray that we would uh, prepare this week for Easter. It's a very significant time in our the Christian life. And so one of the biggest things I want you to prepare and consider is consider coming out. Uh, this will be our first uh, kind of all church in-person event that we're going to have for the EM. And so I really want to encourage you uh, to come out if you haven't considered that, to pray about that. We're going to send out uh, another RSVP uh, message today in Cacao. Please respond and let us know so we can kind of prepare ahead of time. And let us know if you're going to be able to attend. If you do come on that day, try to come at 12 o'clock. Okay, we'll start at 12.15, but we need to do check-in first. So we'll be doing temperature checks and asking the COVID questions uh, as well. So please try to come at 12 o'clock for the 12.15 service uh, for Easter. Well, this Sunday we're going to continue. We're actually going to finish uh, our series that we've been doing uh, with going through Mark chapter 12, verse 30, about loving God with all of ourself. So we've been looking at the spirit and the soul and the body, and in particular with the soul, with the mind, will, and emotions. And so we've been looking at uh, how do we love God with all of those different components. So we looked at how do we love God with our mind? How do we love God with our will? And then this week we're going to look at how do we love God with our emotions? Okay? So... Uh, before we start in with that, I, I want to give a kind of a disclaimer, okay? Because personally, everybody has different personality types, right? So some are more thinkers, some are more feelers. I'm definitely more on the thinker side, okay? And I think a lot of guys kind of are, have that bent. And so I really prayed a lot, okay, don't let my bias come in in talking about emotions, right? Even when we talked about the, our mind, I gave two weeks to that, right? And I'm only doing one week on emotion. I'm like, okay, I don't want my bias to come out. And I really do want to uh, genuinely say that our emotions are very important. And in fact, I had to learn the hard way about this. So um, just to share, in junior high, my mom passed away of stomach cancer. And she was sick for many years before that. And I think having some kind of trauma happen to you at such a young age uh, my emotions were really impacted, okay? And as really a kind of survival, kind of defense mechanism, I kind of shut my emotions down, right? I wasn't able to handle the things that was going on. I had no one to kind of walk me through that or anything like that. And so as a defense, I just basically stopped feeling, okay? And so my emotions were very muted, okay? So they were like this very small range of emotions I had. I didn't go too high. And then I didn't go too low, right? I was just all in this very little narrow band of emotions. I actually took pride in that growing up, right? Because when things would happen, I would be very calm. Calm, cool, collected. They say, wow, under pressure, you seem very calm, right? And so I took pride in that. Like when difficult things were happening, emergencies were happening, I stayed very calm. I didn't feel like all of those emotions. But... I think along the way, I saw those things and I was really deceiving myself because I was not a complete person. God made us mind, will, 
and emotions. And the more I kept learning and developing, and the more the Lord kept speaking to me, realizing this is not healthy. It's not healthy to only be part of a person. You need to engage your whole person. Even when we think about Mark chapter 12, verse 30, which is what we're basing this whole series on, that you want to love God with all of who you are. If you are not connecting with your emotions, you cannot experience Mark 12:30. You can't love God with all of your heart. You can't do that. And that's talking about our relationship this way, from us to the Lord. What about a relationship from the Lord to us? How can we receive from the Lord if our emotions are totally closed off? And I experienced this. So thinking about how when the Bible says that God loves you, do you really believe that God loves you? I don't think that you can really believe God loves you if you're not, if you're not being impacted in your heart and your emotions. Really, when people ask me, do you think that God loves you? The Christian answer, I would say, yes, of course he loves me. It's like the, the Bible song you learn when you're a kid. Jesus loves me, this I know. But what's the reason? For the Bible tells me so. Not because of my experience, not because I've experienced God's love, not because I feel God's love, not because I'm convinced of God's love. And this is the whole key about being able to engage our emotions. A lot of things we experience in our life, a lot of things that we believe in our Christian life, we don't really fully believe because we haven't experienced. It's all head knowledge. And I think that that's the detriment to not having our emotions and our heart open because of fear, because of being hurt in the past, because of all those false things that have happened to us from our family and our parents and all the trauma that we experienced. As a defense, we kind of hold back and to put up a wall and say, no, I'm not going to let those things come in. But we're, as we grow and mature, we have to realize that that is not healthy. We can't continue on with that. We have to at least start with the Lord. Other people might not be safe, but the Lord is safe. You can at least start with the Lord, and that's where I started. I started, let me at least open up my heart to the Lord. Because I started seeing so many things that were wrong, it affected all my relationships. My relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my parents, all were affected. If you think about it, you can't have an intimate connection with somebody if your heart is closed. It's impossible, right? And that's what causes a lot of conflict. That's what causes a lot of disagreements and things you can't get through because things are happening, but you're not recognizing it. So. I really want to emphasize, even though that I'm not naturally a feeler, God has taught me the value of feelings and emotions. And I'm learning, and I'm trying to learn, and I'm trying to be better to understand these things. Okay? So having said that, I think that it's important to open up our heart. It's important to feel. It's important to recognize those things, to feel the full range of emotions, just like God does. If we want to have the heart of God, we have to have the full range of emotions, just like God, uh, God experiences. But we have to see it in the right way. We have to see it in the right way. So let's revisit this diagram that we've been looking at for the past several weeks, okay, talking about the spirit leading. Okay? The spirit needs to lead are the rest of who we are. Okay, spirit needs to lead our soul, which is the mind, will, and emotions. And when the spirit leads our mind, we have the mind of Christ, talked about in Colossians. When the spirit leads the will, then we're aligned with God's will. When the spirit leads our emotions, then we experience the heart of God. 
Okay, and we talked about how this is really helpful for us because it gives us some practical steps of what it means when the Bible says, walk by the Spirit. Like, what does that mean to walk by the Spirit? Well, that means the Spirit leads your mind. means the Spirit leads your will. The Spirit leads your emotions. Okay, it's a very practical way to understand what the Bible says, to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Walk by the flesh, what does that mean then? That means when the Spirit is not leading those. You're having your own thinking, or your body is leading, or your emotions are leading. Okay, so this is really a helpful diagram for us to be able to understand. Okay, so we're going to look at that last one on how does the Spirit lead our emotions. Okay, so let's look at this uh, Psalm 37, verse 4. This is a good example. Okay, Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, there's several things we can learn from this verse. First, that the psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord. Okay, and this is really important to just kind of gloss over because I think a lot of times we ignore all of those positive things. Okay, like delight yourself in the Lord or have joy in the Lord or have all these different things that uh, the Bible prescribes for us. We just kind of gloss over it. We don't think and take these things seriously. Thomas says, the Bible says, to delight yourself in the Lord. And I think this goes against some of the things that a lot of Christians and a lot of non-Christians, they view Christianity this way too, is that Christianity is very difficult. It's very hard. It's a heavy burden. And I know Christians that feel this way, not just non-Christians that look at Christianity and say like, why would I want to be a Christian? They're going to take away all my joy, take away all my fun. It's all restricting. It's all a bunch of rules that I have to follow. But I know Christians that feel the same way too. They think the Christian life is very difficult. It's all sacrifice. It's all hard work. It's all of those things. But that's not what I read about in the Bible. Do you know that the Bible talks so much about these positive emotions that are coming out from our relationship with God? This is just one example. Delight yourself in the Lord. The Bible, full of of descriptions and commands talking about us to have joy in this Christian life. You know how much the Psalms talk about joy. Do you know how much Jesus talks about joy? You know how much Paul talks about joy? In fact, I looked it up. I know how much, at least in the NIV, it says 218 times the Bible talks about having joy. Okay, just to give you some context, when I looked up wisdom, something that we feel like, okay, that's important to have, how many times does wisdom appear in the Bible? 218 times. Now, what's really interesting to me is exact the same, exact same number. Joy, 218. Wisdom, 218. Do we value wisdom the same as we value joy? We want to have wisdom, but do we want to have joy and pursue that and have that expectation in our Christian life just as much as wisdom? It occurs the same amount. And I thought that, is that a coincidence? I don't know. But to me, it shows the value of what the Bible says about joy. Delight yourself in the Lord. He doesn't want this to be a heavy yoke. In Matthew 11, he says, my yoke is easy. It's not hard. It's not a heavy load. So if we feel like it's a heavy load, that's because of our own perspective and our own background and our own false views that we're having. That's not Jesus' view. That's not what he says. I'm inviting you to come be yoked together with me, and that yoke is very easy. In fact, you're going to have rest when you're in that. That's what Matthew 11:28 28 says. 
The relationship we have with the Lord should be filled with joy. That should be the predominant thing that we're feeling. And it's not all roses and all this. I'm not going to try to paint that kind of picture, but that should be our expectation. That's what we should be striving for. That's what we should be expecting. And when we're not, when the predominant thing is anything but that, we have to examine the way we're thinking. We have to examine what we're expecting. We have to examine what we're thinking this relationship with God is all about. Delight yourself in the Lord. There's no better thing in this life than the Lord. Enjoy him. Enjoy this relationship we have. It's a privilege. We need to enjoy and have joy. That's so important. We need to have joy in the Lord. Next we see, after the psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord, he says, he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, what can we learn from that? One is that our desires are okay. Okay, and we talked about this in all the different components of the soul. Remember when we talked about the mind and we said, our, our, our mind or our thoughts separate from God's thoughts? It's either my thoughts or God's thoughts. And we said, no, right? They overlap, not completely. Not all of our thoughts are God's thoughts, but a lot of our thoughts are led by the Holy Spirit. It's the Lord leading us and speaking to us. Okay, and we talked about that with the will, the same thing that our will overlaps with God's will. We looked at Philippians chapter 2 and it says that God works and works in our and houses us to will and to work according to his pleasure. Okay? The same thing with our emotions in our heart. Okay? Not all of our emotions are aligned with God's heart, but a lot of our emotions are aligned. And we look in this in this psalm and we can see our desires are not something we have to throw away when we become a Christian. Okay, how do we know that? How do we know that our desires are okay? How do we know that it's not something that is bad or we have to throw that away? Well, look at this psalm. He says, God will give you the desires of your heart. He is not going to give you something that's not aligned with what he wants. God will not give you something that's not in line with what he wants. The fact that the psalmist says that he will give you the desires of your heart shows you that there are some desires that you have that are God-given, that are good, that you need to embrace, that you don't have to throw away, you don't have to sacrifice, you don't have to put that on the shelf and say, no, none of me, just all of you, and I just throw away all my will, all my desires, all my joy, all my things. That's not right. That's not what we see in the Bible. Now, not all of that is from the Lord, so we do have to have discernment, but I think it's much more than we allow ourselves to think. It's much more than when we allow ourselves to, to hold and expect and, and view and have that view of God. God is for us. He puts those desires in our heart. I remember I was reading this book with a small group that I was going through, uh, and it was talking about like uh, different ways to have like interpersonal relationships and stuff like that. And so I remember this book talking about our needs and our wants and desires. Okay. And it's talking about how, and I could totally relate to this. Okay. Anybody that's had a, a relationship, you probably relate to this too, is that uh, it's important to express your needs and your wants and your desires. Okay. In a relationship, you need to be a powerful person that expresses their needs and desires. Okay. And Okay, I'm not saying that all women do this, but I really don't like it when women want you to guess. 
right? They say, you should know what my want or my need or my desire. How am I supposed to know that, right? Is, my, is always the thing that I would always say, right? But I think that it's very important to do that. And so it's interesting. This book said one of the things that's helpful for people to care for them is to ask this question, what do you need? Okay, so I started doing that. Right? So like all the people in my staff, in my ministry, and in my family, I would ask them this question. What do you need? Do you want to know what I got in response to that every single time? I, I don't know. I don't know what I need. But thank you for asking that. That's really touching to me. So you could tell that they really appreciated that, but they had no idea. They had no idea. But the same was true with me, right? If someone were asking me, what do you need? I have no idea. And that's with my needs. That's the part I feel okay asking God about. I feel okay asking God about my needs. What about my wants or desires? Do I feel okay asking God about those things? Are those selfish, right? That's where we have to look at the Psalms. It says, he will give you the desires of your heart that are aligned. You have to see, you can't throw those things away. And so I was on my prayer walk. I was talking to God about this. And I was asking him about this whole situation of, you know, not knowing my, my desires or my wants or my needs or any of those things. And then he said to me, you know, he was saying, Sam, you keep asking me about my will and you keep asking me about, like, what's your purpose and your, your destiny and all those things. And he said, don't you think that if I call you to something, I'm going to put that desire in you? Don't you think if I have a purpose for your life that I'll put that desire or hunger in your heart? Don't you think I'm smart that way? That if I'm going to call you or to some kind of a mission or purpose or destiny, that I'm also going to put that in your heart? That I'm also going to put that desire and hunger in your heart? And I said, yes, Lord. Of course. You are smart that way. All right? You are going to align those things together. That whatever God calls you to do, to do, whatever he purposes, whatever purpose he has for your life, he's going to put that hunger and desire in your heart. So he said, you need to be aware of your desires, your heart, what's going on inside. And I keep giving the, the caution, but not all of those is true, but some of that is. And I think, and I imagine for a lot of you, it's more than what's currently happening. You need to ask the Lord about what's going on inside. You need to ask, you need to look at this Psalm 37 that says, delight yourself in the Lord. Give yourself permission. A lot of times we don't even give ourselves permission to, to feel joyful or to have those things because there's too much to do. Give yourself permission to feel joy and delight in the Lord. And he will honor you. He will point out those desires that are God-given. And you have those. You already have those inside. It's not something you have to create or develop. He's already implanted you the hunger and desire for what he's purposed you. Why he created you. Why did he put you on this earth? He's already put that inside of you. Be aware. Ask him about it. What is that for me? Help me to be more aware of what's going on inside so that when you want to give it to me, I can receive it. I can recognize it. I can step into it. I can pursue it. I can let those things drive me and help me and direct me in my life. Desires are very important. Our heart is very important. So you might ask the question, okay, I'm not good at this. You might be like me. I'm not, 
I don't do this. How do I know if I'm doing the right thing? Okay, so the Bible helps with that. Look at Galatians 5.22 and 23. It's the fruit of the Spirit. This is a very, very helpful tool that I go to all of the time. Okay, this is a good indication. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, these are the fruits that come out when you're being led by the Spirit, when God is present, when you're following the truth. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, these are the good litmus tests for you to see if you are following the truth. If you're following the Spirit, you should be experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. You should have this expectation is... I need to experience more of this. This needs to be regular and not the exception, right? I think that a lot of times these are like something we need to try to pursue because we have none of this. This is supposed to be the normal Christian life. This is what it's supposed to be like when you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. When you have God himself living inside of you, this should be the fruit, this should be what you're expecting. And if it's not what you're experiencing, we need to change our thinking. We need to change our expectation. We need to change what we think should be happening. Now, it's interesting because God was using this this past week. Okay, Last week, I shared this happened. And again, this happened this past week, too. So I don't know if God's giving me a lot of opportunities since I've been speaking on this, but he's been really messing with my emotions. And so this week, I was really all over the place again. And I was going through a lot of difficult, difficult emotions. I was feeling very depressed. I was feeling very anxious. I was feeling overwhelmed. I was feeling like impatient. I was feeling all of these different things this week. And even last night, I felt like, I don't want to go to church tomorrow. But I have to. I have to give the message. So I know I'm going to be there, but I don't want to. Right? I'm just being honest. I said, I don't, I don't feel like I want to go to church tomorrow. Okay? And it's interesting because God was reminding me of the message I was going to give him, saying, where is that coming from? Is that coming from the truth? Where is that coming from? You know, and I just had to really examine my heart. And I think this is what God wants us to do. And so it's interesting because I came up with a term that kind of describes this. Okay, so you're not going to find this in the Bible. I made it up. But it's called anti-fruit. Okay, anti-fruit. Okay, and anti-fruit are things like worry and anxiousness, fear and patience, lack of peace. You know, if the fruit of the Spirit is kind of signs to you that the Spirit is present and you're following in line with the Lord and following in line with the truth, anti-fruit is the opposite of that. Okay, I think that we're allowing lies or, or the enemy to come in and to sow seeds that produce this kind of fruit instead. Anti-fruit, against, anti-against, against the Lord, opposite. Right? So when we look at anti-fruit popping up in our life, it's very helpful for us. Right? And I think this is important because when we have open ourselves to emotions, what does that mean? It means one side, positive. You open yourself to the good emotions. Okay, that's good. But then you also open yourself up to the negative emotions. Okay, and that's the part I didn't like. Right? That's really why I became muted. I didn't want to do any of these emotional things. Right? Because I didn't want the negative ones. Of course I want the positive ones, but I'm too afraid of the negative ones, so let's do nothing, right? That was kind of my thing, right? So, but if you open up your heart, you're going to open up your heart to negative emotions. Those are going to come in. Now, what do you do with negative emotions? 
Okay, this is very important because if you don't have some kind of mindset or perspective, what you do when you have negative emotions, you're not gonna engage it. You're just gonna continue to put up a wall and say, I'm not gonna just feel anything. Okay, this is very important. So what do we do when we face things like worry and anxiousness and fear and impatience and all those anti-fruit? I think you're gonna have to do what I mentioned before. You have to not try to battle those directly. Okay, this is what we talked about when we talked about having the mind of Christ and taking every thought captive. Do not try to battle those directly. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do, right? The enemy wants you to engage the negative emotions because that's where he is. That's where he is producing the lies. That's where he's producing this fruit. He wants you to come in to enter this territory, right? That's exactly where he is. That's where you get deeper into that. That's where you think, why am I feeling this? Let me fight this fear. Let me fight this anxiousness. Let me fight this worry. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Right? So we think like, okay, I'm so anxious because of this project. Well, let me work super hard on this project, then I won't feel anxious. Does that work? Once this project is ending, do I, still, do I not feel anxious anymore? No, you still feel anxious. There's something else to feel anxious about. Once you finish one thing, there's another thing. That doesn't work. You have to not battle this directly, you have to replace it. You have to replace it. You have to exchange it for where God is. What is God doing? What is he saying? What is he producing? You need to exchange it. So I was doing that last night. You know, I was feeling anxious and worried. And so I was asking the Lord about it. I said, okay, my tendency and what I had been doing all week was trying to battle it, okay? I was doing the exact opposite of what I was preaching right now. I was trying to battle it and it wasn't working, not a surprise, okay? So finally, last night, I started saying, what do you want to give me in replace? He says, I want to give you my spirit. I want to give you joy. I want to give you hope. I want to give you all of these different things that he was speaking to me. And can I tell you, I made a 180 switch turn. Instead of feeling anxious, I felt hopeful. Not right away, but I could feel it turning. And then when I woke up this morning, I felt completely different. And it's so interesting because nothing changed. All the circumstances that caused those things, all those things I was worried about, all those things that were burdensome to me, they're all the same. Nothing changed. Everything was exactly the same except my emotions completely changed. My outlook completely changed. We have to see that this is the way that God wants us to battle. This is the way he wants us to see things like anti-fruit, these negative emotions. You have to turn what the enemy meant for evil for good. Isn't that what Joseph said to his brothers, what man meant for evil, that God meant for good? Isn't that what Romans 8.28 is all about, that God causes all things, all negative things to be good, become good for those that love him, that are called according to his purpose? This is the pattern that we see, that we have to lean towards God, not towards our own work in trying to battle these things. It's so hard. It's very difficult. It's a discipline to train your mind. And so... This is not the last time you'll hear me talk about this. I'll keep talking about it because it's very hard not to do that. It's very hard because those things speak very loudly and you, in your mind it's attached to some things, circumstances that are going on and you feel like if I just fix those things that I'll fix what's going on inside. That's not true. That's not true. 
And that's exactly where the enemy wants you. He wants you focused in on what he's doing. He wants you focused in on what's not happening, what God's not doing, instead of focusing on where God is and what he is doing. That's the switch in perspective that we need. Where do we want to spend all of our time? Focused on the enemy or focused on the Lord? What's going to bring the fruit of the Spirit? Focus on the Lord. When you have negative emotions, ask the Lord about it. Ask him, what do you want to give me in exchange? Ask him right now. Are you carrying things? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Do you feel this anti-fruit coming up in your life? Do you feel worry and being depressed and anxious and fearful and impatient and lack of peace? If you're having those things, and I think that during this past year of the pandemic, we've had an overload of anti-fruit and not enough of the fruit of the Spirit. I think it's time for us to make an exchange. We need to make an exchange. Don't go by your flesh and try to solve it yourself and to have with oh, your own power and your own wisdom and your own understanding to try to solve it and to turn those things around. God can already turn it around. You need to ask him about it. We need to have the mind of Christ that believes when we talk to God and we pray to him that he leads our thinking, that he gives us his thoughts to take every thought captive to Christ. We have to believe that. We have to demonstrate our faith to believe that when we talk to God, he's going to respond. Bring to him those things. He'll speak to you. Ask him, what do you want to give me in replace? Where are you? What are you doing? Let me focus in on what you're doing instead of feeling like what I'm doing or what the enemy is doing. Okay, so let's keep practicing that. You know, even if you have that right now, as we're praying, ask the Lord what he wants to give. So, Father, we want to come to you right now. We want to thank you for the gift of our emotions. It is a gift. Emotions are so, so good. Emotions can strengthen our belief. Emotions can, emotions can strengthen and drive our will and intensify it. Emotions are such a good gift from you. But help us to know how to navigate it. Give us grace, especially for those that have been like me, that have really built up a wall and not allowed ourselves to feel these emotions. Give us the courage and the strength to open up our heart. And Holy Spirit, remind us of the truth that we talked about today, to be able to have expectations of greater joy, to be able to not be afraid of the negative emotions because we know what to do with it. We need to come to you and ask for an exchange. So Lord, what do you have to give for us today? What do you want to give us in exchange for what we've been thinking, we've been caring, we've been feeling? Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're so good. You're full of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, and all of the fruit of the Spirit. That's what you want for us, and that's what we want too. Thank you, Lord. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.